Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Well, again, if you've got your copy of God's Word, if you would turn to John chapter 15, and we're going to be looking again at verses 9 through 17, or again, the, the scripture will be there on the screen as we, as we continue to uh, transition uh, this morning, uh, looking at this idea of abiding love. Last week, again, we looked at the love of God. Uh, this week, look at, we're looking more specifically at the love of others and the commandment for us to love one another. Again, the text this morning transitions, uh, verse 9. Uh, Jesus is talking, uh, first eight verses in chapter 15, about the vine and the branches and uh, uh, God the Father as the, the vine dresser. And then he begins to talk to us about what we are to do as the branches, what our job is as the disciples or as the followers of Jesus Christ. And we get this description in verses 9 through 17 of an active love. If, if the first eight verses are a description of what love is, or a, a, a definition, if you will, at what abiding love is, Verses 9 through 17 is all about action and the action of love and what the action of love looks like. Abiding love for others reaches up, it reaches in, and it reaches out. And that is what we are going to discover this morning about this abiding love. First of all, we notice from the text that this abiding love reaches up. Look again, if you will, at verses 9 and following. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands... And remained in his love. And I have told you this so that your joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. In a lot of ways, verses 9 and especially verses 9 and 10 is almost a summary or, or kind of a, a wrapping up, if you will, of verses 1 through 8. And it is describing again this love that we ought to experience with God the Father. It's all about loving upwards, loving God and reaching upwards towards heaven or towards our heavenly Father. If you will for just a second, just think of the position of, a, of, a, of an earthly father or an earthly mother, a parent, as they reach down for their child or as they reach down for uh, that young toddler. Uh, isn't it just so uplifting when we can reach down as a parent, or even if you're not a parent, 
if you, if, if you have a love for someone, if you have a, a niece or a nephew or, again, that special uh, child, you reach down and that, that child just reaches right back up. Is it not just such a special feeling to, to see the kind of connection that exists there? The connection of, a, again, a child reaching out for that loved one, that parent, the one that's taking care of them. There is a, tr a complete trust, an innocence that exists there between that mother or father and that child, that loved one and that child. There is a, a, a connection that exists even, uh, I, I think about this morning, uh, and I, as I don't have children, I have my little girl, which is my border collie, Molly. <laughs> and I reflect on the, the fact that this morning, uh, as I, I went out, I let her out uh, to, to use the bathroom, and as I brought her back in, she got on the couch, and she, she does what she normally does. She rolls over, and she wants you to rub her belly. Well, as I come over, she starts to, again, reach out. It's like she just takes that paw and just starts kind of pawing at me before I could even get there. She's anticipating that, that, that affection that I'm about to give, that I'm about to, to share with her. And so, again, it's just, it almost just melts your heart to experience that kind of, that kind of connection, that, that love that exists there. That is the position that we ought to have with our Heavenly Father. Because we know that He is always reaching down. He is never, even for a moment, turning His back or, or, or going to give us any kind of cold shoulder, even though our spouses might do it at times. Never are we going to get that cold shoulder from God. He is always going to be in a position where He is reaching down for us. What we are called to do is to reach back, to reach up. To, to share this kind of abiding love that the, that the Word tells us that remains in Him. That is in a position of always having our arms out, reaching towards heaven. Jesus' love is like a father's love for Him and like a father's love for their child. The command here is to continue in this love to continue in this position. It is possible to live, the word obviously uh, gives inference, being mindful of Christ's love, but not being in a relationship or a closeness with Him. In other words, the word by inference gives us uh, the understanding that it is it is all too often that God is reaching down from heaven and yet we do not reach back. That we know that He loves us. That we know that He cares for us. But for many different reasons, we don't take the position of remaining in His love. Remaining with our arms reaching out. The pain of, of reaching out and having no one to reach back I imagine is very difficult. Again, I, not being a parent, I, I, I maybe cannot directly relate, but I can imagine that if as a, a mother or father, if you are constantly caring and loving and reaching out towards that child and that child turns their back or avoids 
uh, or when they get to that adolescent teenage years and starts to want to rebel again and wants to push away. I remember a time where I pushed my parents away. I was too cool. You know, I couldn't be with mom and dad. We went to the mall and they had to walk 10 feet ahead or 10 feet in back, right? You know, we've all been there. We've all experienced that, right, in some respects. Well, I can imagine that is very difficult. But we, again, are challenged to constantly be reaching and connecting with the Father, remaining in His love. This is a love that remains. And the way we remain in His love, the Word tells us, is by keeping the commands. And those key, in keeping those commandments is explained by simply abiding in His love. It is not a mystery. It's not even that complicated. It's very simple. And it's all about obedience. Obeying the words of the Father. And Jesus gives us that model. Again, it's not to say that we are always going to, to fully understand that we're going to fully even comprehend exactly why it is God has us where we are. Jesus didn't even experience that. As again, he, 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 as he went to the cross, questioned whether or not he had to experience all of this. Uh, again, as we see that very human side of Jesus as he goes to the cross, just questioning that, just experiencing that, that doubt or, or again, that struggle, it, it, there's nothing wrong with that. It's healthy, it's healthy to even acknowledge it. But what we are to always do is to be in a place where we can, no matter how much we question, we can obey. Where we can follow His commandments. And that is done by simply, as the Word puts it, loving. The purpose of this remaining love, the Word tells us, is joy. Look back at the text, if you will, at verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be complete in you, and that your joy may be complete. Chapter 17 of John's Gospel, verse 13, reminds us that joy and pleasure are two very different things. Joy arises from the sense of a finished work. It's almost like that of, a, of an artist finishing that masterpiece. Pleasure, on the other hand, is, is a much more carnal desire, or a much more carnal fulfillment. Whereas joy is something that it connects us with the relationship with what we have that we're speaking of that is the, that is the content of that love. In other words, again, if, if an artist sits back and paints that masterpiece because they were a part of that creation, they experience at the, at the end, at the, the, the finished product, they experience a sense of joy that is much deeper than just being uh, uh, done, just being able to check uh, that we have completed the project. It is, a, it is an appreciation for that which is fulfilling. The Christian life is not some shallow following of a traditional pattern, but characterized by never-ending power for fresh connection with the will of God. That's what it is to be joyful. It is to be in His will and to live according to His purpose. 
Because after all, He was the Creator. He is the one who has created us. We are His masterpiece. That's an amazing thing to think about. That we are part of God's masterpiece. And so if we're going to experience this joy, if we're going to share in this joy of the masterpiece that God desires to paint through our lives, then we have got to remain in His love. We have to remain in relationship with Him as close as we can to Him. Again, as He's reaching down from heaven, we've got to draw closer and closer, reaching back more and more. Reaching up defines the connection of this abiding, active love, but reaching in is revealed as the fulfillment of the will and desire of God. Let's look at this idea of reaching, of abiding love reaching in. Verses 12 we pick up of John's Gospel chapter 15. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I have commanded. So again, if we're going to share in the, the art, in the Creator God's masterpiece, if we're going to share in His will, the Word very simply tells us to follow His commandments, to follow His will, and we do so by loving one another. But it's more than that infatuation. It's more than that attraction we talked about last week. Remember, we talked about the fact that sometimes Sarah and I, as, as a spouse, as, as a husband and wife, sometimes we have uh, uh, more uh, exciting feelings towards one another. In other words, sometimes we like each other more than we don't like each other. Sometimes we make each other frustrated and we, don't like, we fall in and out of likeness with one another. But we always love one another. We are always committed to one another. Love, as we talked about last week, is something that is much deeper. It is much wider than, than I think oftentimes in our society and in our culture we dull it down to be. And so when we talk about love, that's what we're talking about. A love that is deep, a love that is abiding. A love that is full of sacrifice and commitment, as the Word very plainly speaks about. A couple years ago, it was Christmas, Christmas Eve, and we had gone to Christmas Eve service, a candlelight service uh, that us Baptists always have at every, every Christmas Eve. We, we get together and uh, we have communion, and then we also share in uh, songs. We sing all kinds of, of Christmas hymns. And then, obviously, at the end, it's, it culminates with uh, sharing the light with one another. And we light the candles, and we sing uh, Silent Night. Uh, that's the song you have to sing. And uh, it's, it's just a, it's a wonderful service. It's a beautiful service. Well, Christmas Eve, we get done with the service, and my mother and my father and my brother... We're all heading to the car. And my sister for that year was one of the first years my sister had, was not with us because she had gotten married and had gone to be with one of those Yankees up north. <laughs> where, are, where are some of our Yankees here? Yeah, there we go. He took her up north to have some northern Christmas. 
and we were stuck down here without my my big sister for the first time. It was a, already an emotional service because she wasn't there, and so we were kind of distracted, I think, by that. And also we were distracted because it was just a wonderful service, and we were coming out. Of course, we're anticipating going home and doing some of our other traditions and getting up next morning. And so we, you know, we're just walking uh, uh, across the street and. And where our, our, my home church is, back in Wilson, that you have to get to the main parking lot by crossing a pretty busy highway. It's just a two-lane road, but it's a pretty busy road. Uh, but the speed limit is not very uh, fast out there. So normally, if you see a car, you can, you know, you've got plenty of room. Well, uh, my brother and my dad had, were walking on along. They were, like most men, just hurrying up getting to the car. And, and, and my mom was walking with my mom. I was trying to be a good son. And, um, and so we're walking together, and uh, sure enough, we get about halfway uh, in the middle of the road, or about halfway, about middle, middle of the road, and we notice there's a car that turns on to uh, Nash Street right there in front of us. And, and, and of course, we have plenty of room to get across, but, you know, under normal circumstances. But for some reason, for whatever reasons, and we will never know, that, that driver just hit the accelerator and sped up. And my mother just froze. I, I, it just shocked her. And, I, and the other people behind us, everybody just kind of gasped. We didn't know what was going on. And, and I started, obviously, my natural instinct was to hurry up and get across. Well, again, she froze. And about, as I got about halfway to the rest of the, 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 the curve there, I turned around and saw that my mom just froze. And so I just reached back out of pure instinct and grabbed my mom's wrist and just jerked her and pulled her out of the way. And I'm serious, it was, a, it was a very close call. I mean, it, and then of course we were all worked up and, and she, you know, she dropped her shoe and I think she broke her heel and I mean, she scraped up her, her knee, but, uh, but she was okay. Uh, we were able to avoid a, a catastrophe. The reason I share this is because I have that kind of relationship with my mother and just like many of us do, uh, and again, this was maybe different in the sense that I was the son, but there was still that connection. There was still that deep love that we had for one another that when in that moment where, again, my first instinct was to protect myself, I stopped and didn't think any more about myself and just out of pure instinct, just out of basic instinct, just reached out and grabbed her and, and pulled her uh, to safety. If we really are connected with uh, the one that we love, if we have that kind of uh, abiding love that the scripture talks about, this sacrificial love, we, are, we learn to put ourselves a second and put the one that we love, the one that is the subject of that abiding love first. And so when we look at the text, the commandment is reduced to one simple appeal, as Jesus puts it, love one another as Christ loves us. And we know that as Christ loves us, he loves us enough to go to the cross. And just uh, uh, really hours from this uh, very talk that he has with the disciples, he will be uh, going before Pilate and getting ready to go to the cross to sacrifice his life, to die a horrible death, to take our place, to sacrifice for us, to give us the biggest demonstration of all of what this kind of love, this abiding love is supposed to look like. 
greatest love of all is laying down your life. It's the supreme test of love. It's the supreme evidence or proof of love that it is present in a relationship. Love gives everything, even life itself. We reach inside to connect to this obedience of abiding love so that we can ultimately reproduce love outwardly. The final piece of this active abiding love, this reaching love, is that abiding love reaches out. Verses 15, and finishing up our text, says, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. Abiding love reaches out. It reproduces. Servants don't know the master's overall plan. Servants are slaves. They just go to work. In fact, if they even stop to ask, they can get punished or they can get rebuked. A slave or a servant is no more than just an instrument. And while we are an instrument in the sense that we are, uh, God has given us or has chosen to use us in a very particular way, we are not a slave. We are not a servant. For again, a servant or a slave has no choice. A servant or a slave has no other option, but we have a choice. We have an option. And it's not just because God wants to give us something, uh, gives us power or control. Uh, quite the opposite. It is so that if we do choose, it will be sincere. If we do choose, it will be genuine and it will be true, abiding love. Verse 16 stands as a strong adversive, a strong adversive when speaking on the contrary. It says, verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Again, it's not about us, our power. It's not, not that we were given choice so that we could have control. On the contrary, verse 16 says, it's because I chose you. It is because I chose to give and sacrifice my life so that we could have this relationship, so that we can have this deep abiding love. But more than just being chosen, the word says we are appointed. So if we're going to experience this abiding love, if we're going to Uh, do more than just experience it, but actually live it out, actually learn to have an active love in our hearts and in our lives, we are, as the text says, going to get serious about the appointment that God is giving us to share this love with the world, to share this love with one another. If you go into the military... 
and you go through basic training, when you get done, you get your commission, you get your orders, you get placed somewhere, you'll, you'll get placed uh, uh, at a fort somewhere, or you'll get stationed somewhere, you'll get, uh, you'll get your marching papers, your marching orders, if you will, and you'll go out and you'll perform your task. You'll be a part of the army, you'll be a part of, of the military, you'll be a part of the greater mission well, likewise, in God's army, if you will, we are each given a commission. We are each given a mission. And it's all connected with loving one another. Our mission, whatever it may look like and however it may be fleshed out, whether, it's, whether it looks something like uh, sharing our our faith with our, our co-workers, whether it's sharing our faith with our neighbors, whether it's sharing uh, our faith with someone overseas in a far and distant land. Again, however God chooses to use us and wherever He chooses to appoint us after we go through that basic training, if you will, each one of us share a twofold mission, as the Word tells us. First, to go. We have to be willing to go. We have to be willing, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it may cost, no matter what uh, sacrifice it may take, we have to be willing to go. And second, we are to bear fruit, verse 16 says. Verse 16 says, I appoint you to go and bear fruit. But more than just bearing fruit, fruit that will last, the word says. All commandments have a singular purpose. Mutual love with others. We talked a lot last week about what it means to bear fruit, so I won't spend a lot of time this morning speaking again about that. But I will simply say that if we are experiencing this abiding love, if we are uh, carrying out the mission that the, the Word tells us, if we really are truly uh, uh, taking that, that, those marching orders and going out with uh, an active and mindset of sharing the gospel, then we are going to experience growth. It may look different than, than sometimes we might originally think. It, 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 might, it might be... Uh, one phase of the overall plan for growth in maybe someone's life. But ultimately, we will experience some form of result, some form of growth, some fruit. As we close this sermon series this morning, we close with verse 17. One last time, as if he hasn't said it enough. This is my command, that you love each other. It can be real easy in this day and time to have our feelings hurt or to experience a tough uh, trial or tribulation and to draw inward. But the word is very plain, it is very clear. If we are truly going to be on mission, 
and we are truly going to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, we are going to be full of this abiding love. And more than just being full of it, more than just being uh, over, over, overwhelmed with the experience of, of love and relationship between God and the Father and Jesus Christ the Son and, and us as the branches, more, more than even experiencing that, if we're truly going to be on mission and on fire for Jesus Christ, we are going to be active in loving one another in showing and in demonstrating this abiding love. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we, as we close, we put a, a period here at the end of this, this run-on sentence, if you will, about what the love of God the Father and the Son Jesus Christ looks like and what it's like to experience it and most importantly, what it's like to share it. Father, I pray that it will, it will not be the end of a paragraph. That it will not be the end of where we, we put this, this message or this, this, this word, if you will, in the back of our, our recesses of our minds and maybe even our heart and then just say, we'll use it for a later day. We'll use it when it's convenient for us. Quite the opposite, Lord, if we really truly understand the text this morning, we understand that, Father, oftentimes to love one another can be difficult. It can be hard. It's, never, it's, it's not, not sometimes that easy. It's a simple message, and Lord, it's a simple, it's a simple action. But it's difficult in the sense that it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take putting our will second, and that can be difficult. So, Father, I pray that you would give each and every one of us here today the conviction of making sure that, Lord, we learn to, to think maybe a little less about ourselves and a lot more about one another that maybe we start to put our sh ourselves in, in the shoes of our brother and sister sitting right next to us, that maybe we, maybe we start to put ourselves in the shoes of, of those that are in our neighborhoods, that those that, that, that walk the grocery stores, that, of those who work with us, that, that Lord, we know just by looking at their lives that they, they do not know the love of Jesus Christ, that they have, they've never even experienced it. They've never experienced someone really laying down their life for them. They've never experienced uh, really what it means to, to, to have someone reach out with this abiding love. Lord, there are so many even, that we will pass uh, either on the road or even in person uh, at a restaurant this, this, this afternoon that, that Lord that have never really experienced this abiding love. And Father, it doesn't mean that we have to go out and, and literally take a bullet for someone, but what it does mean is that, Lord, we learn to, to demonstrate that we care more about the needs of others than we care about ourselves. So, Lord, would we 
Lord, we be faithful to what you're calling us on mission to be about. For we pray all these things. And the one who demonstrated this abiding love more than any other, Jesus Christ. Amen.